0: I would like for them to um, consider that ministry and metrics can be used in tandem uh, and that mm-hmm. it's not an either or thing. Um, I would also encourage them to set some time to come up with a data strategy of sorts. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can just be simply, this is what we will do with data. This is what we want to and making sure that's very clear across the organization. Kind of going back to your, your point about, you know, how do you protect and what's too much and what's ethical, what's not ethical.
1: Welcome to the Social Media Church Podcast. I'm Neil Smith. Joining my friend Amber Smart. Amber, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So I am so excited uh, for this conversation, and uh, I have followed you for many years. We've been friends uh, for for several years. That uh, I followed you from back in the day uh, when I was just getting started in online ministry, and you were uh, really pioneering so many things at Life Church. And now uh, you help tons of organizations and ministries. Uh, maximize data. Uh, but for Amber, for those that don't know who you are uh, and, and have understanding of your background, can you give a little context of yeah. who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, yeah for sure. So going back to um, 2007 is when I joined Life Church and my uh, two oldest kids had just reentered elementary school. I was bored and I thought, hey, this church is making a huge impact in my life. I'd like to give back. So joined their team, volunteered uh, for a little bit before that, doing some just like uh, uh, tithe data entry type currency stuff, gifts and donations. And then um, a position opened up on the Digirati team. And at that time, nobody even knew what the word Digirati meant. And we all had Razor phones, but we were um, building (laughs) an app, which, you know, I had no clue what that even meant. Um, having a razor phone, but jumped in and was a part of the eVersion team and the Digirati team, which also included Church Online. So I wore a lot of hats during that time of helping all the various teams that fell under that umbrella. But yeah, so we launched the Bible app. I learned a lot. Every day they were speaking German. I would just write the words down and go Google them afterwards, clearly out of my element. Um, But I love learning. And I love problem solving, so that was a good place to be. Um, so I did yeah. that um, till 2013, so quite a while. And in that time, I had adopted a, a child with some special needs, and so I know I needed—I knew at the time—I needed um, more margin, and I could only be his mom. You know, there could be operations leaders, multiple of them, but I needed to be his mom. And um, so I actually uh, made a decision. To step off of the team completely and the organization said you know if we um create another position for you would you be interested in staying that would give you that flexibility to go to therapy and do all the different things you need to do and i thought well sure so they were like okay it's 2013 the big word was big data nobody yeah. even knew really what that means i don't even know still yeah. know what that means That was a term everyone was throwing around, and we knew as a church we had a a lot of it and that we weren't doing anything with it. And so Mm. I entered that role and ended up building an analytics team and um, had about 500 of our employees that were using dashboards on a regular basis by the time I left. So it was um, pretty fun and exciting. Um, I am not a super techie person, um, but I know just enough to be really dangerous, and so Yes, um, I live in that space where I understand the stakeholders' needs and requests, but I also understand and understand how to connect with developers and, and work within their space. So um, it was just a really great fit. Um, in 2018, I left the team to do full-time consulting, and so that's what I've been doing ever since then. And I've loved it and enjoyed it. I mean, entrepreneurialism is not for everyone. Um, but it's really great to be able to have those interactions with so many different organizations. So it's been fun.
1: I love it. I love it. And it, you know, and I I don't know if you remember even some of our, our connections, but you've been such a gift to me through the years of, I remember when I was at community Bible church and you allowed me just to pick your brain at one point for an hour on digital ads and and it transformed our ministry in many ways of how we were able to reach new people um, through, through digital advertising. And then, um, hearing about it. I think Terry storage was telling me about some of the stuff you were doing with Tableau and digital analytics. And basically, and I remember Terry telling me like data has to have a seat at the table. It's not the decision maker, but it, we, we, we need to use it to make better decisions so we can do more ministry. And it was so eye opening to me seeing the investment, you know, the life church was making. And then you and I connected again at the, at the rock uh, conference several years back and, Hearing about you, kind of stepping in of like, man, you could take these learnings and share those with so many more churches uh, and, and ministries. And and the reality is, is a lot is changing and always changing in this space. But but I think the the problem is, is one most churches don't know. Just like you were in that place in Life churches, we think we have a lot of data, yeah. but we we don't even know what to do with it. Uh, and then it, even if we knew that we had a lot of data they don't have the capacity of a staff of 500 where you can have such a specialty role yeah. uh and so that's where i think this conversation is so helpful of like where do where does the church even begin to understand what data is and why it's important so amber i'm curious like even as you look at data and you, and you understand uh the church what 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 are what are some of the important even data points that churches need to be thinking about
0: yeah for sure um, well, thanks to COVID, I think people are more open to um, having data, allowing data to have a seat at the table and the ministry um, mm-hmm. circle. So uh, just to give some context of what my client base looks like, I have um, anything from pharmaceutical to car manufacturing to business leadership or like, business training to um, Gosh, orthopedic body parts. I mean, it's just about anything you can imagine. So data is data. And what I say and why why data is so valuable is data is not going to buy you lunch, right? Data Mm -hmm. is very neutral. It doesn't, there's no passion involved there. There's no feeling involved there. And it's not necessarily going to be the answer, but it's going to be a necessary component to be a part of your conversation that leads to the discovery. Mm -hmm. So data is not going to tell you what to do. But it's going to give you some context and some insight to allow you to know where to take your team in conversation. And so obviously, I have a passion for churches. And what I found was when I began to branch out on my own, yes, helping the larger churches that do have the funds and the people and the expertise and the margin to be able to fund something like this. But how do we help those that are maybe a couple of thousand or a couple hundred? Our smallest client is a couple hundred uh, 200 hmm. per weekend. And then our largest, gosh, very large, you know, the top churches yeah. in the, in the nation. So yep. it's, um, I always say, just start where you are and use what you have. And some churches yeah. will even say, well, I don't have anything. And I'm like, come on, you've got to yep. have something, like, right? Like, <laughs> yep. There's industry standards, very few in, um, the church realm, which I think makes it very, very hard in the church. Yeah. If I go to my pharmaceutical client, there's industry standards, like there's law they -hmm. have to abide by, right? And so same with banking, a lot just pretty much any other industry than when it comes to nonprofit. So with the church, what I try to do is come in and say, kind of assess. We begin by doing an assessment to say, okay, where are you? What do you have? What resources do you have? What data do you have? And because of COVID, it's no longer just about attendance and giving. I mean, it's it's about right. engagement and how are people engaging with you in various different ways. Obviously, that takes technology to be able to measure that, but at least giving them information of why, okay, if you want to go there, here's what it's going to take to be able to get you there. Now, yeah. you don't have to invest millions of dollars to be able to gain insights. You can do manual data collection. Yeah, granted, it may not be attached to a person, but- You do some manual data collection over time, you're going to gain some insights that you can then begin to take action and and make discoveries from. So really, I always come back to, it's about engagement. It's about customer service. It's about what is that experience like when people come to your place, your event, or your weekend service? What kind of experience are they having and how are they interacting with you as a result of that? And can we measure that? So that's, that's really where I go back because it's about the people Um, and the data will tell you information about people. And that's why it's important. It's always about the person. So, um, again, data is not going to tell you what to do. And there's always this tension of like, how do you merge data and discernment? Like it feels like an either or, but it's not, it's a both and because, yeah. The more you get invested in um, data, the more you have to discern and rely on God on what to do because it's, yes. you're looking at the numbers, but then you got to interpret them. There's critical thinking. There is discernment. So I say they actually work really, really well together and that they don't you don't have to fear using them in tandem or that one is going to overpower the other. And yeah. there may be times you make decisions contrary to what the data is telling you and that because you... Everyone is agreement that that's the direction God wants you to go. That's great. Data still played its role that it needed to play in that scenario. So,
1: yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Hey guys, it's Nils, and I'm interrupting this podcast episode to highlight one of our sponsors. This sponsor is actually one of my companies, Amplify Social Media. Uh, where I'm the founder and CEO. And for years, we've been helping ministries and churches grow uh, their message and amplify their message through social media done for them. And so as a consultant, one thing that I found is that a lot of times ministries have a hard time with capacity to fully do everything that they want to do on social media. So we built a team to help. We can help uh, put your sermons on YouTube and podcasts and create social media clips and graphics and videos and all the things uh, that you need to do with ads and uh, even responding, helping you manage your inbox and your comments and messages. Our team is here to help. So if you want help uh, amplifying your social media presence, uh, reach out to our team, go to amplify social.media and we would love to help. We will hopefully talk to you soon. Let's get back to the episode. And so thinking about a church that that thinks they don't have any data where where's a good starting point to even begin collecting data and where do like we we talk about church management systems and some of those kind of things is it putting everything in your church management system is it putting everything in a google sheet like where where do people basically capture and store data just from a basic uh baseline
0: yeah so very basic so you'll get me on my soapbox if you start talking about um church management systems so still there's great one there it's The industry is making progress, but there's still a ways to go. And I think part of it is because there really are no industry standards. And so people just set up systems. And if there's too much flexibility, then they're not really sure what they're doing. But then if it's too rigid, they can't do what the extra things they're wanting to do. There's just this tension. So there's massive opportunity in that space. Um, So I always tell people, start with a Google sheet. So I have a church that is really small a couple hundred and they just recently switched over to um handed the baton to a new pastor and this pastor is younger and um more you know more connected to community and 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 interested in data and introducing it into the conversation and its leadership and so what we've done is we just started a google sheet and it's like they're tracking um how many first-time guests they have how many people they actually have on the weekend how many people Um, They're praying for how many prayer requests, those basic interactions. Just think of those interactions that happen between you and a guest and they're tracking all those in a Google spreadsheet. And then we use Tableau. We connect Tableau to that and then up and running and they have dashboards and we can look at correlations between different things. We can look at trends Um, and this Mm. was just really simple insights that they didn't have before. And if you were, for the most part, if you're coming from the business industry or you have a business degree, this sounds kind of elementary or basic, but the okay. deal is a lot of people who are in ministry are in ministry because of the personal connection. There isn't, there's a business um, running a business, um, that, that may be lacking. And it's not that they can't learn it or that they're ignorant. It's just, it's never been taught. And that's another thing I would love to be, I would love to see be taught in like seminary schools and stuff Yeah, is more of like data and, and business related things. So,
1: um,
0: It's, you know, it's, you can start very, very simple. And honestly, if you try to go too complex or too fancy, you're going to overwhelm your people and your ministry leaders aren't, they're going to be afraid to ask questions. And, and for me, I always say the goal of this exercise with them is to facilitate curiosity, right? It's yeah let's be curious. And, and a lot of times in the um, church space, curiosity is, um, reprimanded or looked down upon or not encouraged you know and it's like, yes no let's ask questions let's get curious and let's see you know what if we did this what happens if we don't if we stop doing this what happens and data gives you that component to be able to have that conversation to then you know begin to get curious and test things and try things and so a lot of um, ministry team leaders um I find are pretty certain about what um, they believe or how things should go. And um, I just try to encourage that. I just try to encourage to disrupt that a little bit with some curiosity, And I think COVID did help with that. I think after COVID happened, a lot of people were like, okay, now what? And it's like, that is curiosity, right? Yeah, that's what we do um, just helping facilitate that. And I find a lot of churches don't even really know how to, and it feels very difficult yes. and awkward. And so just encouraging that as
1: well. Yeah. I love that. I, you know, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a social media guy. And, and one of the things that I always hear, I often hear that pains me when I talk to pastors about their social media is they I'll ask them, how's it going? You know, with your social media and they're like, it feels good. Uh, it looks good. I hear, Uh, that, that it's good. And at the end of the day, it's like, you have data to tell you, you like, Facebook will tell you how many people you're reaching. YouTube will tell you how many minutes people are watching and where they're watching from and what devices and how long they're watching. There is so much data that can inform how it's going yet. We just ignore, uh, I think the data. And I think to your point, there's so many different layers, how that goes. And I think there are, you know, Google sheets is essentially free or, you know, inexpensive. And, And, and so it doesn't have to be, super complex. Um, you, you brought it up, or I guess I brought it up, uh, church management systems. Uh, and people, there's always the debates of of what's the best church management system. I'm curious, and, and I think we often, uh, or I as a consultant, want to stay agnostic to some of the different platforms. But uh, we know there's some that are better than others. From your expertise, uh, if you're willing to share, do you have a preference as to what it makes your job uh, easier when it comes to just accessing data and managing data. Yeah. When it comes to church management systems, yeah.
0: So um, I always, because people will ask me this, you know, what church management system we what should, and yeah. then I always say, well, what's your data strategy? Because they yeah. won't, well, they don't have one. So I'm like, okay, if you're if your intention of using these systems um, and you're collecting data, um, you don't yes. plan to do anything with the data, but you're wanting great, you know, personal interaction of collecting the data, whether it's a really techiest system or whatever, then that's, I'll say, you might try planning center. You might try something like that. But if you're wanting to do a really in-depth data analysis, then you need a a church management system that gives you access to 100% of your data. Like you need to own that data and you need to be able to access it. A lot of these systems make getting to your data very difficult. And I think it's part. I don't think it's intentional. I don't think they're trying to withhold it. I just think that there hasn't been a lot of customer voice saying, we want to see our data and we want to see it this way because they just don't know. They're just, like, yep. you're telling me this is the one report to run. So I run it and that's it. So obviously any church management system. So I have a client that's using ministry platform. seems to work okay yep. for them. I have access to hundred percent of their database. So we pull and yep. create dashboards, a lot of clients that are on rock. Obviously we can connect to hundred percent of that. But if you were to compare Rock and like Planning Center, they each have their own separate strengths, right? Planning Center, you don't need an IT team. You don't have to build anything, right? Rock, you're going to have to have some resources there in order to set it up and support it to be able to make it work. So I always just say like, well, what's your data strategy? And then find a tool that supports what you're wanting to do. Um, But I mean- Anything that I can have access to all the data, I'm I'm great with. It's the tools that yes. make getting your data out very difficult that are real cumbersome for us to work with.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. And I, you know, the what what I'm seeing in the space, and I'm I don't manage uh data at all uh when it when it comes to any of our clients, but I, it feels like what I'm hearing in the space is planning center and compare you know, is probably comparable to like church community builder, um, or some of these kind of just built for you use it as is uh it's probably the more user-friendly affordable lower cost doesn't need custom mm-hmm. development and then rock when you compare probably ministry platform and rock as the two more customizable platforms or salesforce yeah. is probably the other one that, that i'm seeing some churches go to uh salesforce needs super probably customization uh, or hubspot uh for for churches and so it's uh it is an interesting space that is getting better uh, i think as i'm hearing and and what uh, we just at Hillsong Church is, is our home church Just moved to planning center and the team has been really happy and a lot of it is because they don't manage as mm-hmm. much as we had our own custom built uh, platform for many years that ended up being a big nightmare, you know, and headache yeah. uh, to keep up with. And so, you know, sometimes owning all of your data can actually be uh, a hindrance to to the ministry you're doing. But at the end of the day, I, I am a deep believer in owning your data as much as you possibly can. One of the questions, Amber, the are the things like as big data was the talking point maybe ten years ago, it's data privacy, data security uh, that I'm hearing as kind of the buzzwords in the marketplace today. Can you speak to what what those are and why those matter for for churches?
0: Yes, and so many people don't understand this or realize this. Yeah. so anything that's personally identifiable of a person should be held um, very closely. Um, yeah. don't, you know, I'm always surprised at how many Excel files are being emailed or thrown around that have yes. you know, counseling records associated with yes. a particular person and it's like, you know, if this is a person of influence and this would become public that would destroy the trust level of the oh, yeah. organization. So I always say it's just, an, it's just an education piece like they've got to become aware of it so if there's anything that you could find information that would tie back, you could identify back to a particular person. Um, that is information that you need to have a strategy of how you're going to safeguard that. And a lot of them do not. They just don't even have an awareness. But at the heart of it is the trust factor. And it it's how yes. do we protect our people's information um, to protect our brand and just to protect our our organization as as appearing to be trustworthy. Um, A lot of them, it's no different probably than like cybersecurity or whatever, where people freak out when they walk in and see people's passwords written on their computer or whatever. No, it's, it's kind of in that same boat. So I think a lot of it, I think I've never met an organization or a church that when I bring this up, say, Oh, that's not important or we're not worried about that. I think Everyone's open and understands and has seen enough headlines of what happens when, there's a data breach and or been on the other side of a data breach and how uncomfortable that is. It's very violating feeling. So I think um, it's just um, a lack of knowledge. And that is a, a component that we try to address when we are working with our clients is, okay, you've got a Google sheet, but nothing in that Google sheet is personally identifiable. So this yes. headcount information if it needed to be individual-based, it might just be an individual ID, but that's it. Like, you're not going to be able to tie it to anybody. So we're very careful and cognizant of that and just try to teach and train people just the importance of that and it really coming back down
1: to the trust. Yeah, that's huge. I I think, I mean, I, I think a couple of things here. One, as a church, we need to be looking to build trust uh, in every opportunity in our community and with our people uh, as we can. But I, but I also think that as I look at the landscape and as I, uh, you know, and I, I worked with a, a health tech company and so we had to follow a lot of HIPAA mm-hmm. laws um, and, and it was overwhelming and challenging, but it was also convicting as I think about how many, I mean, I think about even just like password sharing that we do and it's like, we just gave the intern the full database access so they could read everything and it, and it just is, we, we've got to be, I think, more thoughtful uh, and we're like, oh, we're, we're kind of like, oh, shucks, we're just—it's just a church, uh, and it's like, but we also have probably more private information than right. any of the, that healthcare company even had of the clients that we worked with, and, and so we—we, we, this is a really important factor in both building trust, but but I think also, I think there's a real liability as, as we, you know, historically in churches, we've had to learn how to be safer with our kids, we've had to learn how to be safer with even our our I remember I was in youth ministry and the kind of like things that we would do with like trampolines and stuff. And it's like, we don't do that anymore because that's a liability. Um, And, you know, I I think that we have some serious uh, opportunities for data breaches and things that not just lose trust, but could actually be a, a tangible liability for our churches because we actually do have way more data than I think most churches realize that they have. And so I think being serious about cybersecurity is one thing to think that you're serious about cybersecurity and another to be really thoughtful and intentional in that area. Uh, And so I think, you know, your point is so well made of we've got to prioritize this in our church and not let it be a talking point that it's like, yeah, I'm on board with that. But it's like, but what are you doing about it? Uh, And having a process and having a policy is really important. And if you don't know what your process is and what your policy is, then you don't have one. Um, and so it's, and the reality is it's always changing. Uh, and so I think there are new oper- new new ways to learn and it can feel overwhelming, uh, but it is something that we, as we prioritize data and, and our ministries, security and privacy uh, naturally need to be a part of that. When, when it comes, Amber, to privacy in particular, um, is there data that we shouldn't? keep or have on our people? Um, or do we need to be letting people know what data we have on them? Or is there any anything churches should be thinking about when it comes to privacy and communication related to that privacy? Yeah,
0: obviously I value transparency greatly. So I think um, they should make it very clear what they do with your information and what they don't do with your information. And I think that's yeah. very important to have that posted somewhere for people who Are interested in that. So transparency is huge. Um, I think uh, the danger with data is if you are allowing ministry team leads to have access to data without training on how to appropriately use the data, um, it can be dangerous. We all have biases. Um, I think you could definitely make some conclusions or make some decisions based on your interpretation of something versus um, develop, having developed the training and skill set to understand how to use this piece of information in a critical thought process of how you're making it. Yeah. And so, um, really, I mean, I think anything about a person is, is, um, sacred and should be held, you know, closely. Um, obviously I wouldn't like it if any of my information was sold to anyone or anything or sure. used, um you know, for products or anything of that nature. So um, it's really important, but it's also important to, you know, realize whether you're using a Bible app or you're using church management system or whatever, are you aware of how they're using your data and your information? Yeah. And that's what one, one piece I like about, you know, uh, tools like Rock. It's like if you're hosting it and you're housing it, it's all 100% in-house. Yes, yep. it's on you to protect it, but you have control over, over it, you know, and you're going to yep. use it. And I always just say, you know, do you have systems and processes in place where if you found yourself on the court stand, you would be proud of saying, this is what we implemented and put in place. Um, yep. And that is a reality. I mean, we've, I've seen several organizations, you know, find themselves in a, in a pickle because they didn't have the appropriate systems and processes and it might be a very unfortunate incident that might happen or information revealed that could have easily been protected or avoided if there had just been a simple process or procedure in place to protect that so i always ask i always go back to okay imagine you're sitting on a court stand yeah. are you proud of what you have in place do you feel like you know a jury would look at what you have put in place and say yes you did everything you possibly could protect protect or prevent something from happening and if you don't feel like you could say that because the reality is is you're not ever going to be have a hundred percent system that guarantees nothing will ever happen but what the court will look at is you know in good faith did you do everything possible to prevent this and a lot of the churches that i began interacting with it is it they wouldn't stand a chance because it it's clear that there's you know, not any systems or processes in place. There's not training. There's not education. So, um, and all that seems, you know, can seem daunting and seem, you know, overwhelming. But really, when we work with our clients, we start real simple and real basic. And it's just a, it's a learned skill set over time. That as we integrate it into their culture, and the and the ministry team leads aren't afraid of it. They don't see it as Big Brother. Um, they don't see it as a scorecard. They actually see it as a tool to celebrate wins and to de- opportunities yeah. and and that type of thing. There's usually a cultural shift that has to happen, and then they become actually very passionate and will you know come up with new ideas and on the forefront with those who have the data or collecting the data. Like they're where either the the breaches will happen or it's here. Yeah. So their training needs to really be there. So I think it's more. And tandem of like, hey, do we use data? Yes, but you also have to respect it, have a reverence for it, and the fact that it is tied to trust, and that it always goes back to people. So, I don't know if I answered your question or not.
1: Yeah, no, it's so good. I I think too. It's I mean, I think you you summarized it well. Of it's all tied to trust, and and I think that we we need to just question sometimes even our processes of is this, uh, are we being trustworthy. Uh, and how we're using this data, how we're storing the data, the data we're capturing. Um, I want to maybe get into the far end of this uh, because I, you know, I actually watched a, a spoof video the other day that was funny, but but I think kind of real is what maybe what is too far. And the, and the spoof video was, you know, a mega church pastor, and it was like, hey, we we saw you were here because we saw the facial oh. scanning technology when you're coming in from the parking lot, and. You know, i think people you know and I, and I haven't seen it done but i think it's actually a good idea is like if you have your phone and your you know app and like you check your kids in but it it, you know track geo tracks you and um and it can even check attendance through your app engagement and so there's some things where it's like is and now you could be transparent with it but it's also like i don't know you know like what in some ways what are some of the things trends that you see that maybe is like is this too far and and I look at something like Amazon and I remember when we first started taking credit cards in the churches, people were like, this is too far. And we have these kiosks in the lobby yeah. and it's like, we have ATM machines now in the lobby. Like, this is too far, but it just made it easier of like, look, people are moving in this direction and digital payments is a part of how people want to donate. Uh, we made that accessible with some of these things with like facial scanning and tracking and apps. What is too far from your your perspective as you understand this? And maybe what are we... You know, maybe what are some fears that you see people have around data, that that isn't too far? We're just looking at it wrong.
0: Yeah, so I think we've come a long way. So I think um, what, like you said, what weirded weirded us out a couple of years ago isn't so weird anymore because Target, Amazon, everyone does it, right? Yes. And I think we yes. almost, as a society, have come to a place of frustration when someone isn't one step ahead. So, like, let's say my school, my son's school why do I have to put my information on 14 different forms in one setting, right? That just feels very antiquated. It's inefficient. It feels frustrated. They rolled out a new electronic system where basically it was like, hey, here's your enrollment last year. Did anything change? Yes or no. If it did, great. And then it was done, right? I mean, it was like so great. So I think there's um, also kind of going back to if I were attending a church and I were getting communication about, you know, maybe baby baptism, but I don't have a baby and I don't like, yep. that's not relevant to me. That just feels like voice, right. right? That doesn't right. feel personal. So there is this tension of in order to fill a, a personal connection and that, um, yeah, the church knows me. I yeah. have to allow them to monitor or see some of my behavior. Yeah. But I think as a society, I don't know, this might be different based on your generation or how old you are, or how technology yeah. you have experience with. But I find that if I opened up the Amazon app and I was being offered or shown like car parts, like I yeah. wouldn't, that would frustrate me because I would like, yes. I don't, I've never bought a car part. i don't know why you're showing me this i'm not interested yes. in this right but when wow. i open it and it's something that my husband and i were talking about yes does it creep me out but on the other hand i've started leveraging it so now it's like i'm yes. like i'm looking for a yes. blue rug you know when it's- <laughs> <laughs> yes. i was really like a blue rug and just watching yes. see what comes over my instagram feeds or whatever so yes there is this yeah. this line of like what's too far And I think I would say we're still trying to figure that out as a system. So it would be really creepy if um, I didn't, if I, I'll say, how do you balance the creepy with the frustration? I don't want to, I don't want to get content. I don't want to get communication. I don't want to, if I don't have children in the youth program, I don't want to get tons of communication about that. However, um, at the same time, how do you not, I just need to know what you're doing with the information that you do have on me. So, yes. um, I don't, I don't, I know, I feel this tension. I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel like it's, it's yeah. still there, but I think it's shifting. And I think as the yes. older generations, um, people all move on to the next life, I can see our the younger generations even more yeah. so. Um, I look at my, like my granddaughter and it's like, there is this expectation like that the device is going to know what she wants. Right. Like it's, it it would be extremely frustrating. Now a lot of people just don't have an awareness of what they're exchanging for that. Right. That they are the product and and that. So man, it's a tension, but I will say I'm more frustrated by feeling like the organization doesn't know me than when I feel like they know me really well. And I don't want to, if I, if I attend a church, I, it feels very inefficient for me to have to give you my name and info to attend an event. I should just log into the app, select the event. And you're like, great, Amber, we'll see you there. Right? Like there's, there's that balance there. So I think if a church were to resist it completely, that would be very dangerous and detrimental. I think they would eventually be so irrelevant that, or they, or, uh, or if that is their goal, then that's the type of customer that, they're the guests that they're going to attract. And that's fine. Like if that's, people are on the same page, then that's a great match. But um, I don't know if I would say what's too far. I personally do not have any clients that are utilizing facial recognition or, um, I mean, they do device detection, but you know, Apple's really complicated that lately. So
1: yeah.
0: you know, it's more, it, and you've got to have a lot of technology and a lot of dollars to be able to do a lot of that. So that's a very yes. min, minority part of, yes. of, of the church circle. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Can you can you know your your guests too well? I don't know. I guess that's the question.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think I I think you, I think you you articulate it so well because it's it's really managing the tension. Yeah. Um, and, and having the conversation, but I, I think you, you spoke it to me. Well, I'll tell you what resonated with me is I I was in a, I was in a training last week with, uh, the, the Navy SEALs, uh, with a group of ministry leaders and the, one of the, one of the Navy SEALs, I asked him a question of like, (laughs) and the question was, and it was, it was so interesting. It was aha for me is I was like, how do he was basically just talking about innovation, how within the Navy SEALs, how they innovated and even resisted new things like, um, you know, um, seeing in the dark glasses or, you know, things, things like that, uh, and how the old guard would uh, resist that. And I was asking, how do we better help the old guard, you know, understand and what was interesting? He was like, hey, I hate to tell you this, you're now the old guard. Uh, and I've now entered that season of, of life. And I think sometimes that we don't realize it when we're actually the resistors of like, there's some 20 year olds in our organization that have a different perspective of us of like, we've been the innovators and, and new thinkers, but it's like, they actually see the world differently because they're like, I didn't I didn't have a phone when I was in high school. You know, like I know life without technology, they don't. And they the, one of the things they love about TikTok to your point of like, TikTok feels like the way it knows me is so crazy. I mean, it took like 10 minutes for TikTok to like start feeding me content that was so uniquely relevant to me. And it's like, I didn't like, I remember I had this perception of like, it's just going to be teenage girls dancing on this app. And within five minutes, I didn't see that ever again. You know, like it knew me of like, it knew that I was going to be into sports and comedy and faith. And, you know, these kind of unique content types that it had data on and data on me quickly to, to give me what was unique to me. And, that next generation they don't want something that's like irrelevant to them they actually are happy to exchange that data for a better user experience and and I think in some ways this is maybe even a tension that we feel uh in some ways even as an old guard as to what because of what we've known uh but but realistically that's just an internal fear that's that's not if 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 they're actually you know like if we're able to provide a better, discipleship experience a better, you know, fellowship experience and better connect people to the things that are going to be most relevant for them, they're going to appreciate that, not be like, what are you doing with my data? Well, what we're doing with your data is helping you grow closer to Jesus. Uh, that's what we're doing with your data. Uh, and if you're doing and you're transparently doing that and you're, you know, practically doing that. And I think to your point of like, look, a lot of this stuff, like facial recognition is further out, but it's coming, you know? And I think, tracking and so many of these things is like it will become more and more accessible and i think it is a tension that we need to navigate but i think that we are quick to be to blow off and especially i'm 43 you know like i'm quicker now to like be like that's dumb you know like i see snapchat and i'm like that's dumb uh you know like and and i'm like the social media guy um and and i think that it's we we have to we we have to i think really not just so quickly check out what is weird to us initially uh, as irrelevant, because to your point of like it it's it just it just it's not something we've known, um, and and I think we you know I think we'll just have to see you know step by step. But data at the end of the day, the data we're capturing and the data we're using uh, is going to create a better experience for people and that's only going to increase as we move into the future and the opportunities and availability of tools like what we're, we're talking about and, and just like church management systems they've come a long way and they're only only going to keep improving um and things like tableau and data visualization uh is going to keep improving and going to keep helping us and i think we, so this is like if you're in a place where you're like i okay i need to start like it, this this is going to be an investment that is going to have long-term effects and as we talk about ai and all these things that are coming data is at the core of all of those things and so having good data systems whatever steps you take today and tomorrow are only going to help you for the day after that um you're not going to be like okay now we don't need data anymore data is not a thing anymore data will only continue to be more and more a thing uh into the future so this is a, a really important conversation that isn't new uh, but but it's becoming more and more important uh, Amber, as we, there's so many things, I, I feel like I could talk to you for five hours uh, about, uh, data and, and geek down and, um, and I'd love to get into case studies, but I, I would love to just hear if there's just some practical advice that you'd love to leave church leaders with, uh, in, in this conversation, and we'll, we'll leave, uh, afterwards. So you know, how people can connect with you, but just some practical advice that you want to leave all church leaders with when it comes to data, what, what, what would, what would be that core message? you want them to hear?
0: Yeah, I would like for them to um, consider that ministry and metrics can be used in tandem uh, and that it's not an either or thing. Um, I would also encourage them to set some time to come up with a data strategy of sorts. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can just be simply, this is what we will do with data. This is what we want to And making sure that's very clear across the organization kind of going back to your your point about you know how do you protect and what's too much and what's ethical what's not ethical Um, i would also encourage them to uh, just begin somewhere Um, it is overwhelming i remember feeling like i was drinking out of a fire hose i felt so ignorant i felt so ill-equipped i didn't know what i was doing but just start somewhere and begin to integrate data into your conversations. And again, data ha- needs to have a say- seat at the table. It's not the head of the table, it's just a seat. And make sure that it's a part of the conversation. It's not gonna tell you what to do. It's not going to you know, take away your rights or what have you. Now the fear is, is that the data might reveal something about your organization that you don't want to know. <laughs> So we've been investing millions of dollars into this program and the data is showing that like, nobody evolves out of this program, like basically yeah. just going through the act. So, but what I like with a church that I've had recently with a very, you know, a program that they had in place for like 15 years, it was a very long program. I think it was eight weeks at the time. The thing is is 15 years ago going through something for eight weeks, probably felt right. Today committing to something for 8 weeks is probably not going to feel right for most people, especially busy families. Life just moves really fast, there's a lot going on. So while we can look at the data and say, "Oh, man, this, you know, self-awareness of ourselves as an organization kind of sucks right now of what we're seeing, We can then begin to get curious okay what could we change what could we do differently what if we shorten the time from eight weeks to four weeks or three weeks you know we then begin to facilitate that curiosity so i would encourage them to find ways to begin to encourage that curiosity find ways to bring in just a little bit of data from here or there that they have don't feel like they need to be panicked about their church management systems clearly like i try to be as agnostic as possible as well but at the end of the day what's easier for us is can we actually get to your data like that's what we need or is your system collecting the data points that we need to be able to answer that question so i wouldn't fret over that yet i would just simply see okay here's taking an inventory of what you have what data do you have and then spend some time to say here's how we will use data and here's how we won't use data so i have churches that are like Giving data at a person level is never available to anyone. That's their yeah. that is their their decision. That's where yeah. they draw the line. I have other churches. It's like anyone can see anyone's data. I mean, it, it's mm. just it's whatever aligns your culture yeah. and your preferences is one right or the other. I could argue both ways to be honest. Yes. So it is really just you've got to determine what works for you as an organization, and it's okay to change your mind later. Right
1: discoveries
0: Mm. you're going to just you're going to see it something that you could have an insight to or benefit from if you then allow data to be used a certain way you didn't have previously because you feel like the risk is worth the reward type thing um so just know that like you said at the beginning this this is growing this is evolving it's just going to continue to grow we're going to look back, you know, five years from now, we'll look back on what we did today and there's going to be things we're doing today that make us cringe. You know what I mean? It's just a part of, of evolving and us learning and growing. So I would just encourage that be curious and open to learning and trying and experimenting new things and, and just seeing what God will reveal to you in that process.
1: I love it. I love it. Thank you, Amber, for, for sharing those insights. And I, I, I do I, I feel like what what my eyes are and and I feel like the conviction uh, that I'm, I'm having in this conversation is is really just the 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 thought of like you look we're not going to lose weight if we don't look at the scale <laughs> our bank account isn't going to get better if we don't check it uh, you know or our debt isn't going to get paid off if we're not monitoring you know what our debts are and 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 seeing the progress that we're making or the the deeper in debt that we're getting. Uh, that that we we don't need to fly the plane blind. We we need to look at the data. Uh, and I love that it's not ministry or uh, metrics. It's ministry and metrics. Uh, and and metrics are going to help you do your ministry more effectively. And that's the end goal. It's not so you can have cool dashboards and you know a bunch of you know spreadsheets uh, to look at. That that those are just the tools to help you do ministry more effectively. And this is such an important part of how we do ministry. Uh, today and how we're going to do ministry more effectively into uh, the future, and it doesn't have to be. And I love you that you're like, I'm not a tech person, you know. Like it, it doesn't have to be massively techy, uh, but but this is one of those key areas of focus that churches need to make. So, Amber, thank you for taking building this unique expertise that you have and and sharing it and prioritizing it uh, to to serve uh, churches and ministries. How can people uh, that want to connect with you? What's the best way? For them to find you online. So our
0: website is smartmetricsdata.com and it's M-E-T-R-I-X. So smartmetricsdata.com. Yeah, you can reach out there, schedule a 30 minute call just to get to know our team and get to, for us to get to know your scenario and your situation and seeing if we would be a good fit to help you. Um, We also have um, a website called the153effect.com that has some uh, videos and some guide guidebooks on how to, you know, how do you, how do you manage this tension of ministry and metrics? And so feel free to, to check that out as well. So we're, we awesome. offer very custom solutions, so it's not a one solution for all it's, I could show you a hundred churches and a hundred dashboards and they all look different. So.
1: Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, well, I I cannot encourage uh, our listeners enough to to reach out and and at least just have a, a conversation. Uh, I, I think for full transparency, there there's no sponsorship. There's no like Amber is just a friend uh, who I reached out to and just said, "Hey, I think the church needs to hear from you uh, uh, around this topic." And so she, thank you for your generosity to share uh, your your wisdom here, and and I hope people will continue to lean in. Uh, to data and conversations. And I, and I would say, I, I hope you'll lean in uh, to the help uh, that Amber and her team uh, might be able to provide to your church uh, because I, th- I think this that kind of investment uh, is going to pay long-term ministry of effectiveness and fruitfulness ahead. And so I want to encourage you to go and do that uh, and reach out to her. And so Amber, thank you for the time and thank you everyone for listening. Uh, the one thing I would ask for you uh, with this podcast is if you would leave a review on Apple podcast or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening. We read all the reviews. It's so helpful for us to better understand uh, what it is you're learning, what it is uh, that you're preferring uh, when it comes to uh, the episodes. And so we we would love uh, to get your reviews uh, and your thoughts about the podcast so that we can continue to make this a better platform to help your church uh, do better ministry, more ministry, more effective ministry through social media and dig- digital platforms and all the things online. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again on the next episode.